Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Today we are joined by Luke Fletcher, Plaid Cymru member of the Senate for South Wales West, elected at the age of just 25. Luke has become Plaid Cymru's economy spokesperson. Thank you very much for joining us today, Luke. How are you? Good, thanks. Struggling with heat, to be honest. I never do well in this sort of heat. Uh, but other than that, yeah, pretty good. Good. So whilst we will get on to Welsh politics proper, I promise, probably can't talk about anything political at the moment without discussing the goings-on at Westminster last week. And the question I wanted to ask you is, are you annoyed that the independence movement has lost their best recruiting sergeant in Boris Johnson? Yeah, well, I mean, if we were going to be basing the whole independence movement on, you know, building up support just on base of one person, then we were going to be doomed from the start, really. Um, I mean, look, it's about it's about time um, that this happened. Um, I mean, let's, let's make no mistake, really, all the cabinet members have started sort of jumping ship. They weren't doing so on principle because they've been back in the man for a couple of months. I think it was more to save their own skin uh, than anything else. But I'm happy to see him go because right? I think the issue more than anything else with having someone like Boris Johnson in a top job uh, is it sort of poisoned really the sort of political discourse, day-to-day political discourse, I think, which was no good for any, nobody, any political party, no good for anybody in politics in terms of the quality of debate. Um, so I'm hoping now um, that with, uh, with, with Boris being gone, we might be able to start to have a bit more sort of quality debate on, on things. I mean, looking at the current leadership contenders for the Tory party, doesn't fill me with much hope, um, but who knows? We'll see where, where, where things go. You know, on that topic, it's, you know, Labour politicians all the time get asked which candidate they would and wouldn't want to win, you know, for the purposes of a general election. Have you had any thought on that yourself? And which of these prospective Tory candidates would be best and worst for Plaid Cymru or, or independence potentially as a, in, as a future campaign? <laughs> I'm going to be totally honest, I wouldn't want any of them to win. I wouldn't want a Tory government in Westminster. I think the reality is no matter who comes in uh, into power, is never really going to um, have Wales at the forefront of their uh, mind when they're making decisions. And, and I would say the same as well for any Labour leader. Yeah, reality is I wouldn't want any of them to win, to be honest. Going into one of the things that Boris Johnson did deliver, you know, whether, whether you think it was good or not, but it was Brexit. But what do you think Brexit has done to the Welsh economy? Well, I think when we say that the, because you've seen, you've seen a lot of Tory MPs now go on and say, oh, well, you know, with all, the, all sort of due credit, he delivered on Brexit. I mean, I wouldn't say he's really delivered on Brexit at all. Um, we're still seeing massive issues right now uh, with trade. I mean, I think it was the Financial Times that said uh, that uh, something like 100 billion a year had been lost in uh, trade and tax uh, as a result of Brexit not being part of the single market. Uh, and customs union. I think that additionally was about 40 billion uh, in revenue for the treasury. I I think in terms of where we're at now, I think a lot of the sort of economic predictions that we made prior to the referendum have seemingly come true. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to this later, but it's one of the reasons why um, as a party, Ply Ply Cymru, we've been talking about rejoining the single market and customs union. Granted, that's not necessarily going to be an easy task, not going to happen overnight, uh, but I think the way things are at the moment, I think we have to build that case and we have to have that discussion. Um, one of the reasons why we brought it to debate in the Senate, uh, one of the reasons why we've been discussing it as well uh, outside the Senate. What do you say then to people who say that you couldn't have Wales rejoin the single market of the customs union without damaging the internal single market of the UK? 
and, and whether that would be more or less damaging to the economy of Wales than leaving the EU has been. Well, I think the internal market of the UK is already already being damaged by the fact that you have one element of of, of the UK sort of in the single market, but not at the same time. I mean, we're talking about Northern Ireland, yeah, and you know that there's a whole host of reasons why it's a bit more complicated on us. I don't think I need to go through those now, but the reality is, I mean, the single market or the the, the internal UK market, sorry, is 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 already damaged. I think we have to look at uh, what we what essentially we want to want to achieve what sort of economy we want to look we want i mean we're seeing a lot of barriers be um put up now for businesses with increased costs when looking to export now one of the ways in which we can solve that issue is rejoining the single market and customs union that i think again it's not it's not going to be the easiest thing to do but we do have to build that case and we do have to at least have that conversation about where we want our trade in relation with uh, relations with one of the biggest trading blocks in the world uh, to go and obviously with in terms of Wales um prior to uh, leaving the European Union I think off the top of my head I think it was something like 58.9 percent of trade uh, in Wales or exports in Wales went to the EU that's a massive chunk um I don't think I need to emphasize that point but again it's about the conversation now I think of where we are going in the future in terms of our uh, relations with with uh, one of our closest neighbors and and one of the trading uh, biggest trading blocks in the world what what was the Welsh government response to you know this this proposal from Plaid Cymru? Do you think they're sympathetic to it, or do you think they are sort of more following the UK Labour line on the idea of the single market and the customs union? I th- I think the the most first minister's response uh, to to Adam Adam Price uh, when he brought it up in first minister's questions was disappointing, um, because it seemed to me that there was sort of a willingness to follow UK Labour, um, not wanting to be seen to. To contradict what's being said by by Starmer, but at the same time, I do think that there is uh, a number of uh, Welsh Labour members, both in government and the backbenches, are still open to that idea. We know Alan Davis is one of them. We know the, uh, there's a couple of other uh, others as well. I think it's it's it is it is. I will be totally honest. Here, I think it's a bit of a dis- difficult position for Welsh Labour, but I think the important thing, well, the overriding uh, factor should be what's best for Wales in this instance, rather than following a UK party's line. It should be about making sure that we make the best case for Wales. And again, our, our position is uh, on that is rejoining that single market and customs union. And hopefully, you know, as that debate develops, we'll see uh, Welsh Labour and the Welsh government become a far more open to that uh, idea as we as we progress. Obviously, Plaid in favour of rejoining the single market and the customs union. But would you think it would be accurate to describe Plaid as a party that is in favour of rejoining the EU? Well, I think you know we haven't we haven't uh, shied away from the fact that in the long term, uh, we would like uh, an independent Wales to rejoin the European Union. But that is a matter, um, of course, for a post-independent Wales, um, as we you know as we become independent, that that's part of the conversations we're having at that point. We've made it clear that we would want uh, Wales to rejoin uh, the EU under the under those circumstances for sure. I suppose the question there is, you know, areas like. Although you represent you know, South Wales West, the areas you're you're from in like Ogmore, etc., quite heavily leave voting areas. Do you think that it's a difficult reconciliation for a party like Plaid Cymru who are trying to advance in sort of leave areas? Do you think it's hard to sort of win those people over by 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 saying that, or do you think that the circumstances now are, are materially changing in a way that people can see that Brexit is not all it was, you know, set out to be? Well, I think the question the question has to be, and I think this is a question that we as a party br- grapple with quite often, 
um, is are we are we um, purely here to see like can we succeed um, electorally or are we here to see um, to see Wales uh, succeed? Now I fall on uh, the latter. You know I want to see Wales succeed. It's a difficult sell, of course. You know I mean my my home area. Obviously I live in Pencoid, um, which is in Bridgend County. That was a, a heavily leave area. I think though when we look at um, the sort of figures that are coming out from the government itself on how uh, trade um, and revenue has been uh, damaged by um, not being part of the single market and customs union. And as we face uh, a cost of living crisis as well, again, I'm sure we'll come on to this later on. Um, when, we, when we're facing a situation where one in, uh, sorry, four in 10 households in, in, the, in the UK are or in Wales are struggling to afford the basics, I think we have to look at every option that's available to us. One of the biggest sort of, um, um, I'm trying to think of the English one, uh, um, one of the biggest sort of, let's just say monsters then, just because that's sort of a direct translation, but it's probably not the word I'm looking for, to be fair. But one of the biggest sort of, oh, what are elephant in the room, there we go, um, is, is the fact that we've, we've, um, we've had a massive upheaval through Brexit. Now, there is obviously a bit of a, a problem, isn't there, when we discuss the single market customs union, um, it gets conflated a bit there, or whether we are going to rejoin the European Union right now. I think it's important that we focus on the aspect of joining the single market and customs union and it's something that other countries are, are already doing we've got Liechtenstein, uh, Norway um, to name but two other uh, in, 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 in the single market customs union but not members of the European Union um, so I think you know as we sort of take all of those into considerations our cost of living crisis um, being the predominant one for me at least um, we have to look at every option on the table and it's going to be difficult to convince people who um, voted for Brexit and voted to leave but I think it's a matter of sticking with principles and doing what the right thing is uh, in our view. And, and that's what I think the job of politicians is as well, is to identify that problem, um, so identify that solution and then build a case for that solution. Now, if we're successful or not is, is, is another thing, but we at least, I think, still have to have um, that conversation to bid. So moving, you know, moving, let's move into a little bit of the cost of living crisis. I mean, we've seen in recent months significant increase in industrial action. Plaid Cymru have been seen you know, in support of striking RMT workers, etc. And to be fair, so have you know, some Labour MSs too, but the UK Labour position on, on trade union rights has, has shocked many. Was that a particular surprise to you, yourself and to Plaid Cymru? Do you think that there is an area there for Plaid Cymru to work really closely with, with trade unions in the future if, if UK Labour continue to have this fairly disappointing position on it. Speaking for myself, it was surprising in, in, in a massive hit, really, actually. I mean, you know, when we talk about a party that was founded uh, by the trade unions, um, a party that uh, is supposedly there to represent working class people, uh, people, like, people like my family, for example, the fact that they wouldn't support um, people who were striking for better pay um, especially during a cost of living crisis, completely baffled me. Um, and I think, you know, Plaid Cymru has always, or where we, we've tried our best at least to, to work closely with trade unions. Um, and, you know, we've, had, we've uh, made a lot of good relationships within the trade union movement. The RMT strikes are, are just obviously one of the potential strikes that are going to happen, happen over the summer. We know, of course, um, that uh, BA workers are um, potentially too. Uh, looking to potentially strike again it was surprising to see the Labour Party not support them which again that baffled me it, it's something I wouldn't have thought 
would have happened. But then again, looking at the direction in which the Labour Party is going at the UK level, especially, uh, it seems to be a bit of Tory light, um, if I'm going to be totally honest. Uh, but again, you know, we know the CWU were valid workers. Um, so I think as the summer progresses now, I don't personally think that Labour's position, again, I when I say Labour, I mean UK Labour on this point, because again, like, as you said, you know, in all fairness to some Labour MSs, uh, they were also supportive of the RMT strikes. Um, but I don't think as we go into the summer where we are seeing more workers uh, struggling, for example, to afford the basics, uh, struggling with this cost of living crisis, and as a result of that, asking for better pay and being refused, and then you know using the only option that they have, uh, which is to strike, uh, to, to level the playing field. I don't think UK uh, Labour's position is going to be sustainable. One of the things that really, really disappointed me um, around the RMT strikes was the demonisation of workers, essentially, for striking. Now, you know, striking is not fun. I mean, you lose a day's pay, and if you're striking particularly on the point that you aren't being paid enough, then it's going to hit even harder. You know, it's the only tool I think that workers have to really level that playing field. Um, it's not something that's done lightly. Um, so that was something that was really disheartening for me, seeing that demonization of, of workers asking for better pay. But, I, but, the, but the language that they used around that, and I know I'm going on a bit, you know, um, but the what language that was used around those particular strikes has been used for centuries uh, to divide workers. Um, because the reality is um, the bosses, uh, the bankers, the big corporations, uh, who are consistently refusing um, better pay to their workers know that if we all realise that we have a joint, um, a joint sort of cause here, and um, that their days would be numbered. And so the language has always been there to divide workers. But you know, having said that, the language that was being used didn't seem to um, quell support for the strikers. Um, I think uh, it was very clear. I think there was a poll in Wales, and they showed a majority of people in Wales were supportive of the RMT strikes. That's a good sign, I think, especially as we begin to grapple with that cost of living crisis now. Um, so hopefully that um, that sort of direct action, which I think has been lacking um, over the past uh, couple of years in British politics, hopefully now we're going to see a bit of a change here and we're going to start seeing some more action uh, to level the playing field. Interesting what you're saying in the last couple of answers, you know, especially considering the UK Labour position on things. You know, do you know when Mark Drakeford always says things would be better if we had a UK Labour government? Obviously, you're going to say that Wales should be independent, but whilst we still are part of the UK, do you believe him? Do you think that there would be a material difference in how Wales is run if there was a UK Labour government compared to having a Conservative one? Well, just, just just to say it, yes, I do think Wales... Uh, <laughs> Look, I mean, I don't share Drakeford's optimism, if I can be totally honest. I mean, OK, let's say that Labour came in and uh, things did get better um, you know, when Labour coming in at the UK level. That would be great for the time the Labour's in power, but then you'll only see the Tories get back in as the wheel turns, as it were, in UK politics, uh, and then all that progresses. It smashed. We saw that when the Tories came back into power in 2010, albeit in coalition, but still the majority party in that coalition. Um, but I think, as well, you know, there's no guarantee that the current iteration of UK Labour will come in and be of, of, uh, of uh, be a positive for Wales. There seems to be a reluctance at the moment of, of not wanting to devolve further powers to the Welsh Parliament by Starmer's party. Um, so I don't share that optimism. The first minister has for me the only way that we can secure you know, a socialist um, government in Wales, uh, for me, has always been um, 
through the route of independence, uh, because Wales consistently votes for left-wing governments. I wish they were voting for the Plaid Cymru governments, but uh, but you know I'm sure we'll come back to that at some point. But the reality is, there's always a left-wing government in Wales, or at least a left-wing party in power. We've never voted for the Tories. So for me, to stop the Tories from coming into power, the only way we can do that is by becoming independent, uh, because I can't see England, uh, or at least can't see England anytime soon, um, becoming more left-wing. I mean, if anything, England seems to be lurching further and further to the right, um, at quite a worrying pace, uh, to be quite frank. Let's let's move on to the the cooperation agreement then, Luke. Do you think it's you would describe it as being successful so far? Well, you know, it's just in some ways it's still early days, isn't it? But I mean, one of the biggest successes uh, for me has been um, the free school meals, uh, universal free school meals to all primary school children. That's starting in September uh, from the bottom years and then working their way through. I think the goal is to be, have it rolled out completely uh, by April. Off the, again, that's off the top of my head. Uh, but I mean, that in itself is a policy that is going to change so many people's lives. And actually, you know, quite a important policy. We, again, we've said the cost of living crisis, you know, I said that sort of succession of words so many times, I feel like a bit of a broken record. But, you know, that policy in the midst of a cost of living crisis is going to help so many. That, I think, has been one of the biggest successes uh, of the cooperation agreement so far. We have other things coming down the line. Uh, again, I'm sure we're going to come on to this at some point, Senate reform. We have um, things uh, elsewhere as well. Um, but for me, so far, it's been successful. I hope the implementation of um, universal free school meals will be done at a pace. Um, I'd be happy to, or incredibly grateful to see um, a lot of the local authorities rolling it out completely before that April date. It's a policy that's quite important to me. Uh, I've, I've talked about it in, um, quite a few times in the chamber now, but you know, I was uh, on free school meals when I was growing up. Um, I know the benefits of them. So for me to see that happening as a result of like Cymru and Welsh Government coming together and working on those shared objectives um, is a great source of pride um, and something that um, it does, in all honesty, get me uh, quite emotional as well. One thing you've really been campaigning quite hard on, Luke, is EMA, you know, Education Maintenance Allowance, where, where you say, you know, it's been set at £30 for basically forever. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your work on campaigning and that and sort of the, how successful, how, how likely it is, do you think, that that change will be brought in? The, the payment has been at £30 since 2004. Um, that's when um, educational maintenance allowance was introduced. So we're talking about a, a payment that, you know, don't get me wrong, is, is incredibly amazing. And I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that it's remained in Wales. Again, I was a recipient of that in school. Um, but the reality is now um, that the payment has started to lag behind in how much it's actually worth. The Bevan Foundation did some work um, that calculated that the payment would have to be at £45 uh, rather than £30 uh, for it to be of the same value that it was back in 2004. I've been asking questions of the minister, um, particularly the finance minister, taking the angle of you know, where, where we see additional money coming from Westminster, will she prioritise increasing the payments uh, of education maintenance allowance. Again, credibly important as we come into the cost of living crisis because that money is directly given to students and there's no better way of supporting people than by directly giving them um, the money. I, I know the Welsh Government are sympathetic to the cause, but you have the, the sort of classic answer of there not being enough money to do it. It's something I'm going to continuously campaign, campaign on and I have no doubt that uh, Welsh Government ministers uh, are sympathetic to the cause. So hopefully, 
where we might see more money come as a result of final consequentials in the future, uh, where the Welsh Government's budget might uh, increase. Hopefully that will be one of the policy areas that, uh, that would be increased, because I know it would help so many people, help so many um, post-16 students to stay in school, because the reality is one of the biggest reasons you see a drop-off, um, especially uh, of those kids who are living in, in poverty, is because they want to get out and get a job and start earning, because uh, of course they can't afford to stay in school. So that's one of the, I think, the most important things we can do actually to keep them into school. And again, we had a debate in the Senate um, on Wednesday, uh, which was introduced by uh, John Griffiths, uh, who was the Labour uh, MS uh, for Newport East. Newport East, and the, the debate was titled um, "Knowledge is Power, um, Education is Root Out of Poverty." 100%. You know, I, I I know John was a beneficiary of that. I've been a beneficiary of that. You know, Mike Hedge is also. I contributed in that debate, uh, a beneficiary of that again. So all three of us uh, in that debate could speak to it. The problem, though, I think that we're going to be facing very quickly, uh, if not all that we're already facing, is that people cannot afford to stay in school in the first instance. So that was one of the points that I made on that, that the cost of the school day will restrict people from actually going um, or traversing that route out of poverty, um, because either they can't afford it, or they can't afford um, you know, to get to school in the first instance. We talked about free school meals, for example, and that being a massive um, leveler when it comes, to, um, it comes to students. Well, it's all well and good having that policy, but if kids can't afford to get to school to have that free, those free school meals, then it sort of defeats the purpose of it. So I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, again, you know, Welsh, I think Welsh government are very sympathetic to it. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time, at least I hope. Obviously, we know that the cooperation agreement is a is a negotiated process. It, you know, we all we, we waited with bated breath for forever, waiting for it to come. Um, sometimes we thought it might not happen at all. But is there anywhere you wish it had been more radical, where you wish that the Welsh government would have accepted going even further? Sticking with the free school meals policy. Um, again, one of the biggest successes so far of the cooperation agreement. You know, Plaid Cymru have been consistent uh, on asking it not just to be rolled out to primary school students, but to secondary school students as well, uh, because poverty doesn't um, doesn't end in primary school. You know, I can I can tell you that now. But you know, again, I think the important thing with the, with the cooperation agreement was that we found those areas that we can work on uh, for the benefit of people. Um, which is why we're all in politics for the, or at least that's why I hope most of us are in, all of us are in politics for, is to help the people that were, that were elected by. And whilst I would have liked it to have been rolled out to secondary school students as well, I will definitely take the all primary school students as a starting point. You know, th- there's not just me in, in, in the Pride group, but Sean Williams as well, uh, Helen Vachan uh, and, and, and a few others who have been pushing Welsh Government to go further on that point. So, you know, there, there, there is disappointments in that, in that sense. But I think, again, as well, when we, when we look at creating agreements between parties, you do have to compromise on, on some stuff. Um, but again, you know, I'll take free school meals for primary school children without a shadow of a doubt and use that as a stepping stone to, to secondary school. I think there's an understanding that it is a confirmed agreement, but do you think that there's argument for it being a sort of almost living document? Because if you look at the economic conditions of now compared to when it was agreed, the economy is significantly worse now, inflation is significantly higher than it was at that point. 
Do you think there could ever be an argument for sort of revisiting certain aspects of the agreement, or do you think that that is something that maybe the designated members will have to do in their sort of quasi-governmental roles with the Welsh government? Well, I think one of the good things about the cooperation agreement is, you know, we've agreed to work in some of these policy areas, but there's still room for us uh, to, to be in opposition uh, outside of those areas. Like, if we're going to have any sort of agreement, I think it has to to be sort of organic in the sense that, you know, it, it, things get chopped and changed uh, within those policy areas to reflect the time. You know, I, I don't think it would be a wise move to not be open to those sort of things. Um, but I think one of the good things about that cooperation agreement is, like I said, we have our designated members who work with the government in those policy areas, but there's still freedom for those of us who aren't designated members to still question Welsh government on, on policy areas uh, that are important to us uh, and still provide that opposition. One of the biggest changes that we're going to see as a consequence of the cooperation agreement is Senate reform. What was the response, not only of sort of elected members, but of party members to the proposals? Because I know within Labour, there was some discontent that people didn't feel like it was perhaps proportional enough, didn't feel that they'd been consulted enough on that. Was it a similar feeling in Plaid Cymru or were people just happy that we were getting more members finally? I think it was um, a mixed bag. Uh, in the sense that, you know, as a party, we've always advocated for STV as being our preferred choice uh, for electoral reform. We haven't had, we haven't got it as a result of this, of, of this Senate reform. Um, so naturally, there are, there are uh, members who are disappointed by that. But I think what we've managed to achieve is a massive step, bringing the Labour Party with us to um, agree and to increase um, the Senate to the sizes that we've agreed to um, is a huge step. Um, and so whilst it's not everything that we wanted, I think that's the nature of, of negotiating and compromising. You don't always get what you, what you want. Um, we certainly haven't got what, we, what all of us have always wanted, um, but it's a big prize, I think, because we have, all of us, you know, realised and, and accepted that the Senate has been underpowered in terms of the number of members for quite some time. We have more powers being devolved to the Senate, but yet haven't got the capacity to um, to scrutinise those areas, but also to look at getting more powers involved and uh, uh, developing more bills. Um, if you think about members of the Senate now, I mean, if you look at the Pride Group, uh, all of us are um, portfolio holders, so all of us essentially on the front bench, uh, we're all on two or three committees. Um, so there's no room for members, uh, in all fairness, to develop those expertise in those areas that, in the same way that, uh, say, an MP would. Um, so. The reality is, I think, um, whilst we might have not have achieved what we have wanted in this instance, uh, which is to get that STV, um, we have increased the number of members in the Senate as a, as a, as a starting point, uh, which will allow for better scrutiny. And that is that I think I can't remember who said this now. And uh, you probably will remember, to be fair. Uh, but, you know, good scrutiny pays for itself. That's the point I think that, uh, that that's important. Here, and that's what we've managed to achieve as a result of this, hopefully. Do you think there would be pause to re-examine certain bits of the reform in the next term? Do you think that there's a, there is actually a legitimate chance that we could eventually see STV? Or do you think that when politicians are elected under a certain system, they're sometimes reticent to change it? Well, I think, um, you know, I am, I, I'm, a, I'm a regular uh, listener of Hiraith, as you know, Matt. And I, the, last, uh, the last part, uh, I, I believe it was the last part, I know you had Heaven David on, um, and he made this point, and I agree with this point, which is, you know, 
you can never get constitutional reform perfect. Um, it's always uh, changing. Uh, he used the example of the United States, you know, there's amendments happening to the constitution all the time. Who knows, you know, as we go in, into the future now, um, there is likely to be um, further debate on the constitutional set and four wheels. SCB could be part of that. There could be another voting system that's part of that. We don't know, but I think that's the nature of constitutional changes, ever evolving, ever changing. Um, so who knows? Do you think that it's likely that because of Plaid Cymru's inherent fondness for STV, Plaid Cymru-run local authorities will look to implement STV? Or do you think that that will vary dependent on the particulars of each leadership? Um, I think it's a good question. Uh, you'd, I, I, I would hope that applying local authorities would be looking at STV. I know that there are a number of local members who um, support the idea. I think ultimately it varies down to leadership and I think as well capacity within councils to look at to seriously look at changing uh, the electoral system. Um, we know that council resources are overstretched as is, but you know, hopefully we'll see now as a result of Senate reform, the council starting to look at their own electoral arrangements and, and, uh, and then we'll take it from there. Electoral reform does make it probably more likely as well that Plaid Cymru will play some part in the policy landscape of future Welsh governments, doesn't it? Do you think that not only will this empower Wales in terms of enabling better scrutiny, etc. But do you think that eventually this could see a more radical progressive Wales as well? That's certainly my my hope. I think there's a lot to be said about Plaid Cymru's influence on Welsh politics. Um, and I, I would argue it's been quite substantial. We've moved uh, Welsh Labour further and further to being sort of pro-Wales. I mean, I know that sounds a bit silly, but, you know, we have had a massive impact, I think, on Welsh Labour policy. We've brought them as a part uh, as part of this cooperation agreement. In, in my opinion, uh, brought uh, the Welsh government further to the left than they were previously. Again, I use the the example of free school meals, um, something that Plaid had put on the floor of the Senate, I think, about a total of four times, uh, and four times it was voted down by Labour. Where we won that that argument now. My hope is that more members would um, result in um, greater scrutiny and as well result in more radical, more progressive policies, I think especially to tackle um, tackle poverty, which is completely rampant in Wales. So that would definitely be my hope. I mean, I think I know the answer from you on this, but there are some in the Labour Party who say that electoral reform would open up the door for Plaid Cymru Conservative coalitions. I'm assuming that your answer to that would be never, yeah? Yeah, well, you know me too well on that. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean... I, I wouldn't be a, a member of Plaid if I thought that was a reality. I don't have much more to say on that, to be honest. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So, I mean, there's a really interesting thing you said about uh, in the discussion we've been having about scrutiny, which is there are some who have recently claimed that the cooperation agreement has made Plaid Cymru less able to hold the Welsh government to account. Obviously, there's been changes to um, the, the amount of questions that party spokespeople are allowed to ask that the, the nature of topics that you're allowed to bring up during plenary questions you know the, the fact that Adam isn't allowed to ask any questions relating to the cooperation agreement do you what, what has been the the practical influence on the cooperation agreement on your ability to ask questions of the government and to hold them account personally I haven't seen um, much of a difference from from my from my perspective for the, the the biggest priority for me is somebody Who's, uh, who's elected to the Senate is that I represent uh, the people that have elected me. I certain, certainly have been asking 
all sorts of questions. Uh, sometimes that's and that's uh, resulted in uh, me venturing perhaps into the cooperation agreement. But you know, it's 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 part of uh, I think again one of the positives of the cooperation agreement. It allows us to have an influence on government policy. It allows us to work with government on those areas that are very important to us. Um, but it also allows us to be in opposition. Um, I certainly haven't seen, or at least don't agree with uh, what the Conservatives have been saying on this point, because we know that um, Andrew Atty has, has, um, has made this point uh, several times uh, in the press. I certainly don't agree with it. Um, I haven't seen the difference on my end. Um, and I know that, again, other members uh, of, of the Pride group haven't seen that difference as well and continue to scrutinise government. Thanks very much for coming on to talk. So we've got one more question before you go, which is obviously we're all now we've got the last week of the Senate term heading now where everyone's looking forward to a you know very well deserved rest. But what are you going to be campaigning on when we get back in September in the Senate? There's uh well a number of things really, but if I had to pick one, um it's gonna be around EMA. That's been my biggest uh campaign so far. It's something that I think is genuinely gonna help a lot of people. Um, it's something that is quite close to, to, to my heart as well. Um, so I, if, I was, if I was to pick one of them out of the many, uh, EMA uh, for sure. Luke, thank you very much for coming on today to talk to us. If people want to hear more from you, where can they go and find you on Twitter? Twitter is at Fletcher Plaid. Wonderful. Luke. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please don't forget to find us on Twitter and Facebook at Pod or go to our website, www.walespolitics.com. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.